Hello, this is Josh Belk with the Belkon Business Podcast. Hope you're having a wonderful day. On today's podcast, we're going to talk a little bit about short-term rentals and the taxation specifically of short-term rentals. As I move into this, uh, first of all, I I simply do want to say I'm not rendering specific tax advice uh, to your situation. Uh, So please, I strongly do encourage if you are um, investing, uh, purchasing uh, short-term rentals that you you do speak to your tax professional. Uh, On that point, I do want to uh, point out, make sure your tax professional is someone that's actually licensed, uh, someone who is uh, actually um, uh, has the uh, necessary experience that relates to real estate taxation, especially if that's the area that you're in. Uh, um, I've seen a lot of uh, unfortunately, even even good uh, even accounting firms that have put out tax returns uh, that um, they just don't, did not have real estate experience and uh, they end up transitioning to us or we end up reviewing some tax returns and, and there are some uh, there can be some serious problems and I promise you if you're doing these on your own or if you're using someone who is either not licensed or doesn't have experience that you're probably going to make some mistakes here. So uh, I'm not rendering specific tax advice to your situation. Uh, for, for our clients, uh, of course, we, we have a regular dialogue uh, at the accounting firm that I own in regards to uh, these types of matters. So I am going to do a little bit of a deep dive. Um, I'm not going to go into great depth, but a little bit of a, a deep dive into uh, real estate taxation as it relates to short-term rentals uh, specifically. Of course, we've seen this particular area of real estate become a lot more popular in recent years. Uh, we've seen terms like Airbnb almost become like a, a verb. I, I'm Airbnb. Airbnb being this property. Okay, of course, they're just a uh, service uh, platform uh, to um, essentially facilitate the, uh, the, the rentals. But um, uh, so we see Airbnb, Verbo, some of these, uh, there's others out there as well that, uh, that essentially facilitate uh, the, um, the, uh, the, the owner of the property and then the, uh, the end user. And then, uh, then it can also provide help, uh, provide some uh, services uh, in between and facilitate that. Uh, but if you're getting to short-term rentals, uh, hopefully you'll find uh, this particular podcast a little bit helpful uh, and uh, at least, if anything, give you some information so you can have an intelligent conversation with your uh, tax professional. Um, or maybe uh, as you begin to work through this to figure out maybe there are some things that you can do within uh, the way that you're operating that short, short-term rental to be able to maybe say, take some tax benefit uh, on your own individual return. So generally speaking, so we've seen for years uh, kind of the traditional model of renting real estate. And I'm going to focus primarily here on single family. So if you're getting into single family or maybe a you know, duplex, quadplex, that type of thing, uh, your, uh, that historically has always been uh, handled uh, as kind of a, maybe a one-year lease, a two-year lease on a, on a property. And uh, so you have an agreement with the uh, tenant. They're going to hopefully uh, pay you on the first of every month. And uh, it's, it's fairly, fairly straightforward. Of course, we had a few years ago the, um, uh, under President Trump, the Tax Cut and Jobs Act. It allowed for some acceleration of, of depreciation. So we've seen uh, cost segregation a lot more of those particular studies being done uh, to take advantage of some of the uh, um, some of those uh, tax rules that are in place at least uh, at the moment and uh, hopefully uh, will remain here over at least the next couple years and so um, uh, but but traditionally you go and you purchase a short-term rental uh, you have a tenant that's going to be in that property one two three years and um, and they they pay you every month the taxation and the rules on that are relatively simple uh, you get into cost segregation, kind of taking that property, breaking it down into smaller components to take advantage of some accelerated depreciation. Uh, it does provide some tax benefit if you are a, a real estate professional. So but now when uh, a few years ago is we end up with this concept of short-term rentals, the question became, uh, how is this going to be taxed? So is this going to be a type of a situation to where it is considered active? 
So uh, it's like a, um, uh, is it going to be taxed like a, a you know, a short-term storage unit facility? Is it going to be a tax like an active business? Is this going to be taxed like a, a, a long-term rental? And so a lot of these particular areas had to be worked through. And of course, um, the, uh, there was some direction provided uh, by the IRS. Of course, we look at uh, tax law. And essentially, this is where we're at as of this point as it relates to the taxation of short-term rentals. So as a, as a general uh, rule, uh, we think of uh, long-term rentals. Uh, so I'm, when I think about long-term rentals, I'm talking about a, a property that generally has a, a lease term of uh, longer than 30 days. And most of the time, these terms of these contracts are one, two, or three-year uh, contracts. And um, normally, though, the, uh, when you invest in uh, uh, that type of real estate, it is not subject to self-employment tax, uh, SECA tax. Uh, you're not paying uh, kind of that additional tax on, uh, on that activity. Now, when we're talking short-term rentals, uh, many, many times uh, that is going to be considered active. And I'm going to get into a little bit into the rules here in just a moment and whether or not this is going to be considered active income. When I say active income, meaning it's going to appear on a Schedule C of your individual tax return. That's if it's, uh, uh, that's if it's a single-member LLC or if you simply hold the property personally um, or if we're uh, talking about a, a partnership uh, then uh, as far as taxation, multi-member LLC situation, uh, to where it would appear on page one being active or on Schedule 8825 if it's uh, considered passive on individual, uh, individual return, Schedule C for active, uh, any sort of active uh, type of business activity uh, versus a Schedule E if, it's, uh, if, uh, if you're investing uh, passively. Okay, so active. So what are the active rules as it relates to short-term rentals? First of all, active is a rental period uh, categorically if it's uh, less than seven days or if it's less than 30 days and significant personal services, which I will define here in a few moments, if significant personal services are provided by you or on behalf of the owner of the property. So I'm saying you, meaning if you is the owner of the property or on behalf of the owner of the property to make the property available for rent. So if, you, um, if you're going through and getting the property available for rent, now there are a couple of areas that aren't included in the, uh, in the personal services side, so I'll get to that in just a moment. So uh, it's considered active if categorically if the uh, rental period is less than seven days or if it's less than 30 days and uh, significant personal services are provided either by you or by somebody uh, that, you, uh, that you hire, uh, whether it's an employee or contractor, to go in and uh, get that property ready for rent. We think of, uh, you know, short-term rentals, you know, you have people coming in and out uh, between those rental periods. Somebody has to come in and clean. Somebody has to get prep that particular property for the next uh, uh, tenant uh, into that property or the next uh, person that's going to be renting uh, your property. So if it's seven days or less or if it's 30 days or less and those personal uh, those services are being provided by you or somebody you hire, then uh, that is, it is generally going to be considered active. Now, um, the question is whether or not you have a company that's all they do. So you essentially have like a quote-unquote property manager uh, that, you're, that you're not hiring as an employee or as a contractor, uh, but a gen generally a third party that kind of does this categorically. You may be able to kind of work around some of these rules and it be taxed passively. Okay, so, um, so active uh, is rental if it's less than seven days or less than 30 days and significant personal services are provided. Now, what is the benefit of it being active? So if it's considered active, if you have a loss, now, of course, we don't get into any sort of business activity, regardless if it's a, if it's a rental or if it's a um, if you're you're selling widgets or providing services uh, for someone. 
uh, for companies, uh, generally we go into a business with the motive to make a profit. And the same thing would be true here. However, when it comes to real estate, uh, there are certain advantages that we can take uh, if, the, if the activity is considered active. So it might be in a situation to where you can, when you go and you purchase the property, you do a cost segregation in year one, and you can recognize those, um, those excess losses, those tax losses, and offset it against other active income. Now, if you're investing passively in real estate, if you are not a real estate professional, it's going to be capped. Uh, you may not be able to take any of those losses. And so um, there is a great benefit uh, for it to be considered active if you, if you have losses. Now, of course, uh, you, uh, there are loss rules and that type of thing, and I don't want to get into, into depth there. But if we're talking about siloing year one uh, to where it may really provide an advantage for you to be able to offset uh, against other income. In the alternative, if it's considered active, if you are making money, it is going to be subject to, to seek a tax, a self-employment tax. So uh, you need to be aware of that as well. So kind of a you know, situation if you're analyzing, do, am I going to get into a long-term rental or am I going to purchase a short-term rental? Of course, short-term rentals were able generally to generate more revenue, generally speaking, because the rents are higher. Uh, we're able to collect more, assuming we can keep that, that property occupied. Um, so uh, there is a benefit there, but there's also a potential for a downside. Okay, so you kind of have to weigh the positives and the negatives if you're going down this particular road. Of course, there's a little, lot more headache in regards to if you're doing this yourself, getting that property, uh, managing that property uh, uh, yourself, whether you're going in there, getting the property available between tenants, uh, or if you're hiring somebody to do it, uh, that there is definitely a lot more work involved. So, but there is a tax benefit there if you do have losses. So uh, um, now there's also going to be a test here for material participation. So if you're going to uh, take these particular losses, uh, you know, if it's considered um, uh, um, in a situation to where you're going to want to leverage it, there's going to be some test here. So you're going to have to take a look and see if there's more than 500 uh, hours during the year of participation in the activity. Now we're talking here about the uh, short-term rentals. If the uh, individual activity and activity on the owner's behalf con constitutes substantially all participation in the activity, Okay, so uh, if you kind of take a look over the course of the year, okay, I did this for a couple months, but then I had a, a property management company that I hired uh, to handle the rest that needs to be considered. And then lastly, more than 100 hours during the year and an individual's activity is not less than a part participation of, um, of any other individual. I'm simply going to mention these, and I know if you're listening to this, it's probably a little bit confusing at this point, but I simply just want to make you aware that there are specific rules. We do see situations where clients get into uh, purchasing uh, short-term rentals specifically to be able to leverage, especially on the front end, uh, some of that uh, additional depreciation to help offset uh, other active income and, and be able to get any money that they paid in back uh, or um, simply not to have a um, uh, income tax exposure at all. But you need to understand that there are rules here uh, that you, you do need to follow. So uh, personal services, I mentioned I would get to that. So what are the personal services, uh, what are considered personal services that relates to real estate activity? So providing services includes, uh, in this case here with short-term rental, providing any sort of concierge services, hotel-like services, conducting guest tours, providing meals and entertainment for uh, guests that are there, uh, providing transportation, uh, any of those kind of, uh, um, the kind of the cleaning between, uh, <clears throat> between uh, occupants of the property, et cetera. So if you're doing those hotel-like services uh, for the property or somebody you hire, so you have an employee, you have a, a contractor, somebody that's in kind of an arm's length of you uh, doing this, uh, that is considered providing services. So uh, otherwise, it is not. Now there are a couple of areas that are not considered uh, are not considered services that relates to real estate. 
doing repairs and maintenance is not considered services. Uh, why it isn't, I don't know. It's just the way that it's, uh, it's the way that it's written into the code. It's the way it's been interpreted. And then any sort of admin work, such as paying bills, uh, you know, taking care of the books, those types of things, also are not considered uh, services. So it do does need to be services as it relates to the occupant and preparation for the occupant that is not considered repairs and maintenance. And of course, admin is also excluded. So, um, and I'll kind of go back uh, once again, if it's active, uh, it will be, if you make, uh, make uh, income, uh, if you generate net income from the property, I'm sorry, if you generate net income from the property, from the activity, then uh, it will be subject to self-employment tax. Uh, if it ends up uh, following under the rules of being taxed actively, uh, that is something to where you need, need to be aware of. You're going to have that self-employment tax. If you have losses, you will be able to offset it um, against um, against other active income, whether it's W-2 income, other type of business income. Uh, and so it is a situation to where you really can take advantage of the tax rules uh, to be able to, uh, to help uh, be able to generate um, uh, losses uh, to get some of your tax money back. And then the alternative is also a way, if, the, if it is monetizing, if you're, uh, if you're managing it well, you're able to get uh, occupants into the property, that's your opportunity uh, to be able to, uh, to make more money as opposed to a, a, um, a long-term rental property that is uh, there for you as well. So just kind of at a, a little bit of a, maybe a higher level, I did get into a little bit of depth here in a couple areas as it relates to short-term rentals and the taxation of short-term rentals. If you have any questions, you know, of course, reach out to your tax professional uh, and, uh, and maybe kind of dig into this a little bit, see what maybe uh, can be done there to help uh, uh, maybe mitigate some, uh, some other income that you have there, uh, or if in a situation to where how should the, uh, the net income that I have from these rentals, uh, what sort of taxation uh, am I going to be exposed to that's going to be a little bit different than if I have a long-term rental. Hopefully this particular podcast brought you some value. This is Josh Belk with Belk on Business Podcast. Have a wonderful day.